0: family i grew up in a church it's called Fort progressive penninsula baptist church and uh and i know it wasn't in tongues that was the name of the church there you go and uh and so i would hear the pastor say he would say god is good all the time and it's so true isn't it so true family thank you so much uh uh for allowing me to be here pastor uh thank you so much you and your family and your wife we Thoroughly enjoyed uh, spending time with the, with the whole staff here. Yesterday, as Pastor already alluded to, we uh, had tacos. My wife makes every—she's a dope cook—makes everything from scratch, family. And, um, and my son is absolutely in love with your pastor's family, and absolutely in love, four years old. So we have the pictures I'm going to show you, my family now, and uh, my wife, her name is Madai and I'm going to put up on the screen. There we go. Uh, Mavai, of her super fine, amazing self. Hallelujah. And uh, she's from Mexico. I'm black. I'm a chocolate man. Uh, and so what happens with black and Mexican, you get blacksicans. That's what you're seeing, seeing right there. It's my four-year-old son named Hezekiah. And that's our... Th- all, uh, tomorrow, she will be three-month-old little baby girl named Brielle. Hallelujah, family. Listen, I love being a daddy It's absolutely amazing. I just I love it. I really do believe our family is our first ministry and um, all of ours are right. And so we have an opportunity uh, to lead them in a way uh, as the Lord see fit uh, family. Um, I'm on an assignment. I'm on an assignment today, not just to have church. You feel me? Uh, I don't want to just for us to come in in this place and clock in and clock out and go through some religious routine to go back to the crock pot waiting for you at your house uh, and say, man, we just did our, relig- our, our religious due diligence. But no, I believe that this is a moment. This is a day. This is something set apart and set aside for the for the great physician to do what he needs to do in us and through us. Amen. So I want you to do yourself a favor and take off the Christian makeup. Go ahead. Take it off. Take off the, I'm too blessed to be stressed foundation. Take off the, won't he do it? Mascara. Take off the, come on somebody lipstick. Take off, take off the Christian makeup. What do I mean by that? Take off everything and all things you're doing to hide blemishes and enhance perfection. But this needs to be a place where we are honest and and raw about the realities of our life. Because I'm tired of people uh, 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 feeling broken and feeling forgotten and feeling lost. The hospital is not a place for people to fake it. It's a place for people to heal it. And I was telling Pastor earlier, I wish if I could find some scrubs that will fit me, but I'm six foot six, 320 pounds, so good luck with that. And uh, some scrubs that will fit me that I would wear some today because I believe I'm on a mission from the great physician. I'm a nurse today. Uh, so if you will just give yourself re- the, uh, the, the, the right to be real, relevant, and honest, because I do believe there's some hurting people in this place. I know you look good, I know you got up and you took a shower. Some people getting up and taking a shower is not a big deal, but some of you have been so fighting depression and anxiety that a simple act like that seems difficult, but you did it, and you're here. Thank you for coming. Some of you, you're, 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 you're it's here because you're here. Thank you for coming. Those who are watching online, thank you so much for joining us. Just because we're social distancing doesn't mean we have to be distant socially. And so appreciate you all joining us for service. So family, um, I have a couple of books in the back. one to let you know about uh, the. a couple of years ago, I was given a bunch of suicide letters. And, um, and it, all, it never happened before in my life. And uh, they all said the same thing but different ways. It was the same things like if I would kill myself, no one would miss me. My mom and dad, they don't love me. No one cares about me. Uh, I'm all by myself. The word said, At every time I will try to tell my problems to my parents, they'll tell me to get over it. Quote, unquote, until I, till you have bills, you don't have problems. And so I, I, I've witnessed, and being a being a minister and youth pastoring and young adult pastor for years and years, and um, I've witnessed families so much pain that's happening in households behind closed doors. So much trauma that that takes place in silence, where we are taught to sweep things under the rug rather than confront and to heal. The last chapter of this book is called Resurrect the Altar of the Dinner Table. I believe there's power that happens and takes place when you give a safe place and a space for healing to happen in your household. So family, uh, this book, if, you're, if you are someone who are saying enough is enough, you're ready to break generational curses and break uh, toxic habitual behaviors, you are willing to be the Moses uh, that God is raising up for this, for your family to draw a line in the sand and say, you know what? Divorce stops with us. Suicide stopped with us. This lying, gossiping tongue stops with us. This is a book for you. I have it in the back. And lastly, uh, secondly, I have a book here called This Is Your Chance. And the subtitle is simple. It's not opportunity that will pass you by. It's more like you'll pass by your opportunity. Now, I lived over 30 years of my life feeling defeated. Over 30 years of my life, putting addendums to God's promises. Um, I have dyslexia and uh, had to take speech classes until I was in the fifth grade, due to stuttering and slurring issues. Any of you, any of you ever experienced or you are fighting through something like this, you know how difficult it is just to conjugate a sentence with this insecurity speaking in the back of your mind, where you think twice to speak once. And so um, I, 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 I couldn't retain information. I was getting tested with wondering why. I couldn't remember anything that I read. and so, uh, But yet I had these dreams inside of me, dreams that felt like nightmares. I've never been in a place where you felt like God deposited something in you that felt so far off that it was impossible to obtain and to reach. Felt like God made a joke in me. But family, it wasn't until I saw an Instagram post uh, on, that, that totally changed my life. And so I wrote this book for individuals uh, who, uh, it took, I wrote this book in two weeks, but it took me 30 years to prepare for it. And because uh, I, I write this book for individuals who are dealing with fear, ins- and insecurities, uh, uh, worry, anxiety, p- people who you may find yourself saying "I can't" when you really meant "I won't." Maybe you find yourself saying "It's impossible" when reality is just difficult. Family, if there's something in a dream inside of you, you've been putting on park, you've been keep telling God, "I'm not ready," or "Or oh, I can't," or "Or using using waiting for sign." Well, let me not. Let, let me hold up. Some of us be using, using God as our scapegoat for procrastination. We're asking God, give me more confirmation. You already gave you five. And you're waiting for five more. And now you're pimping the grace of God for your own mind. So anyway, so grab the book. It's in the back. Uh, and so it's in the back there. And lastly, I have a last book. It's called Use Your Jab. And it's about fighting back depression of a video uh, we're going to show you right here. I wrote this book because I'm frustrated, disappointed and tired of seeing people crumble under the weight of depression, deep sadness and anxiety, on to hear others say, just smile or don't think about it. Depression is an ugly monster whose claws are long and fangs are sharp, hunting in isolation even while you are surrounded by crowds of people yet still feeling alone. You must learn to be open about what you are facing and get the help you need. But where do you go? Who do you tell? Where can you feel safe knowing that you won't be judged but help when you express how you feel? Maybe these are some of the questions you ponder that cycles in your mind that you use to write your permission slip to stay quiet. You keep telling yourself that you will figure it out alone. You wake up in the morning And give yourself a pep talk just to make it out of the house you get in the parking lot of your place of work only to look in the rearview mirror to tell yourself that you can make it. Figuratively painting on a smile on your tired soul, striving to continue day by day. My latest book, Use Your Jab, Family, Depression and Anxiety and Mental Health are topics we must talk about. Sadly, I feel like there are taboo topics where when regarding to mental health and anxiety and depression, we tell people to just smile or don't act, don't think about it or ignore it. But yet, for other reasons, we don't treat, for the example of dealing with diabetes in the same way. We don't tell someone to ignore the need of insulin, to just eat whatever you want. Or don't see a doctor. Or don't get help. While we will think that is crazy. But, but there's people struggling with the, with the pain of, of depression. Whether it's, I wrote about it and categorized it in four different ways. Chemical, circumstantial, crisis slash trauma or spiritual. And they're hurting in silence. Wondering do they have a safe place to be real. A safe place to heal. A safe place to feel. People are hurting but they're scared. Of the moment they open up their mouth they're, they're, they're labeled a snowflake. People who are scared to feel because the moment they open up their mouth, people are saying they're being a victim. And they need to suck it up and pull themselves up by their bootstraps. So you're wondering why people are hurting and dying and addicted and and, and feeling in places of, of, of hardship. Wondering, do they have a safe place to heal and be real? And who can they go to? Family, I believe we are in a crisis in our world. We're in a crisis in our nation. We're in a crisis in our faith. And I believe the crisis, I can talk about many things, but one I believe is the lack of compassion in the Christian faith. And so if you will just give me an opportunity to be honest, because I believe that we, if we're not careful, we can lose sight of our mission. We can lose sight of the responsibility we have as believers to be the outstretched arms of Jesus. We'll tell people to quick, so quick to tell people to shut up and to get over it rather than to be the, the good Samaritan who comes alongside and, and brings people up out of their bed of despair and hardship. For me, I believe, I firmly believe in this world today that we are the billboards, the advertisement, the representatives of Jesus. Share your quick story where this was really made true to me. Um, I'm originally from North Carolina. I live in Florida, a town called DeLand, right above Orlando right now. And so it is good to be back home where y'all do biscuits right. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, family, I used to live up north and, and, they, and I asked for sweet tea and they cussed me out, Pastor Doug, and they told me to put sugar in it. Y'all, you, y'all, feel, y'all feel the pain that I'm dealing with right now. But uh, my very first car, I uh, grew up in a little bitty town called Eden, North Carolina. And if y'all know where that's at, God bless you. And a uh, little bitty town called Eden, North Carolina. I was telling them the very first time uh, we got a Dollar Tree, it made front page newspaper. And people skipped high school to wait in line like it was Black Friday to be first people to shop at the Dollar Tree. That's the type of small town um, I, I am from. And so my very first car was a 1985 Oldsmobile. This car was straight up ghetto. It was a hoopty, right? It was. A, uh, y'all use that term hoopty? You ever had some of y'all ever had something like that before? You know what I mean? It runs. It runs on prayer. You know what I'm talking about? And uh, it was a four-door car. But only two of the doors open, only two of the windows rolled down. I had a screw, come on, some of y'all know what I'm talking, bringing back all sorts of memories. I had a screwdriver prying up the glass of the passenger side window uh, because if you remove the screwdriver, the glass will just fall down, right? I had the coat hanger holding up the tailpipe, didn't have any AC, didn't have any heat. So if you got cold, what did you do? You rolled up the one window that worked and you put some clothes on. You got hot, you rolled that one window that rolled down, you took some clothes off, didn't have a radio. So if you wanted to change the channel, you sang a different song. It was that simple, right? Ghetto, ghetto, Ozil Bill. Uh, 1985, but I still uh, loved it and treated it like it was my own. Leaning back like a Fat Joe music video. And uh, this is for some of y'all's day. And so, but I remember I was super hungry. You have been so hungry, you feel like your stomach is eating itself? You've been that way before? Like you start getting that white crusty stuff in the corner of your lips. You got that stank, I'm hungry breath, right? Maybe if you can't tell, but your wife can tell. And you know what I'm saying? and your attitude gets all crazy, right? You get hangry. And so, I saw this billboard for this chicken restaurant, and I was super hungry. The moment I saw that advertisement, I said, man, that is exactly what I'm going to eat. I want, I, I want two sides, I want some dirty rice, I want some mac and cheese, and I want some sweet tea. And so, I'm in my Oldsmobile, never forget this, in my Oldsmobile, saw that billboard for the chicken restaurant, made up my mind, that is exactly what I'm going to eat. I passed by McDonald's, I don't want a Big Mac, I passed by Wendy's, I ain't feeling a Baconator, I passed by Burger King, I don't want a Whopper. I knew exactly what I wanted because of the advertisement that was right before me so I go into the chicken restaurant this is a true story going to the chicken restaurant smiling from cheek to cheek because finally I believed I walked into an establishment that was going to meet my need and satiate my thirst and hunger and so I walked into the place and I was cheesing from cheek to cheek the lady probably thought I was hitting on her but I wasn't here for her I was here for that food you don't feel what I'm saying And so I said, ma'am, can I have a number two? And what she told me changed my life. She told me that they were all out of chicken. Changed me. Changed my life. And so I'm like, what in the world? And I had the same question you have. How in the world can you be a chicken restaurant and you don't have any chicken? She began to apologize like, sir, I'm sorry. Listen, she, we got mashed potatoes. We got dirty rice. We come on. So you know, I'm talking about pastor just we, we got, we got potato edges. We got everything else. We don't have any chicken. And so she began to tell me, well, the reason why we missed our shipment because there was a lack of communication or no communication with our distributor and with our storehouse. So we missed the shipment. And so, and so I left that place disappointed and malnourished, right? And, um, and I remember, man, being all upset and the Holy Spirit spoke to me about how many times somebody came to my restaurant of my life because I was at, and left disappointed because I was advertising a product that I was not producing because of my lack of communication or no communication with my storehouse. Family, there's a world who are, come on somebody, there's a world that's hurting, there's a world that's in need, there's a world that's waiting. And they saw and heard of a Christian faith about a Jesus filled with love, compassion, grace, healing, and hope. But why is it when they roll through our Facebooks, or they roll by their Instagrams, or they roll through our workplace, we're not greeting them with compassion, we're greeting them with rebukes, we're greeting them with chastisement. Family, the world is hungry, but are we willing to cook? Are we willing to be the hands and feet of Jesus? I want to charge us to get back to the foundations and the fundamentals of our faith because a Christian without a mission is not a Christian at all. Oh, what would happen if we will have less soapboxes and more healings around coffee tables? What will happen if we will learn how to simply stop ignoring but confronting it with love? Fam, I want to talk to the individuals. you are hurting right now. You're in need. You've been going through some mass, You've been going through it in silence because you're wondering, does anybody even care about how I feel? There's a man a pool of Hula Bethesda, and he was, late, he was invalid for over 30-something years. And Jesus goes to this man, and, um, and he says, do you want to be well, which, which seems like a very ignorant question for the Lord to ask. And the man, he, he began to speak up about his truth. Well, I have no one to take me to the pool. And what he was saying, he wasn't saying that there was no one around him. He wasn't saying there was nobody in his vicinity. He was saying there was no one willing to get involved. My question for you, believers, Christians, blood washed, Holy Spirit filled, yoke destroying, burden breaking individuals. My question for you today, does your faith just lead you to the pew or does your faith lead you to action? Because we got to be individuals, family, where we are being the outstretched arms of Jesus. We, I believe we are the franchise here, here in the kingdom of heaven. I am, I am absolutely in love with Multiply Church. I, can't dis- I, I have been absolutely blown away about the vision and the leadership y'all have here. I hope y'all are counting y'all's blessings, fam, for real. Y'all, y'all have a ministry that is that that is giving attention all the way from the cradle all the way into the grave. A ministry that is not simply solely talking about spirituality, but y'all have a areas of mental health and counseling and feeding f- uh, food in the dream center. That is amazing. I, y'all need to know that y'all ties are doing God's work in this house. And so family, this is the reality I believe that we are living in is that the world is questioning the existence of Jesus because we as believers are misconstruing his character. Before there was anything, there was God. And God said, let there be what? Let there be light. Jesus walks the earth and he says, I am the light of the world. Then and then he looks to the disciples as he looks to us today and says, let your light show shine among men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. They may see your what? Good deeds, your actions. Family, I believe, family, that we are in a world today. We're in a society today where if we're not careful, the, end, the, the if we're not careful, we, we will lead people away from Jesus. Not simply because of what we are saying, but also what we're not doing. So who are you being Jesus to? Who is knocking on your door trying to reach to your Facebook or reach to your Instagram? Who are you doing life with that is so hungry? they see Sunday if you po- every single Sunday, you post about a church service, you see the scriptures in your bio or social media, But yet they go to the contents of what you're typing, wondering, is that, are they a safe place for me to eat and a safe place for me to heal? Then I believe, we're, I believe there's where people are hurting, and they're waiting for individuals to resurrect the state of compassion. To be, the, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. To help people in their agony and their pain. 2020 should be a cuss word, I know. It, um, it, I, I get it, family. If I can punch any year in the face, it will be year 2020. But let me tell you what point 2020 did revealed... I believe we I believe we gained we gained a vision in 2020 so we can we can walk in clarity in 2021. I, I, believe, I believe there's things that were brought into light this previous year that, that maybe we ignored. I believe we are full, we have been forced to to see the reality of our life face to face. And what's saying that really happened this year is people is that been dealing with depression and anxiety, something they cannot run from. But I want you to see how God interacts with the hurting. Because for whatever reason, we have been greeting people who are hurting with rebukes, with chastisements, labeling people snowflakes and having a victim mentality. But I want you to see how God interacts with our hurting in the book of 1 Kings chapter 19. If you can turn it with me. 1 Kings chapter 19. We're going to start reading at verse 1. First Kings chapter 19. Start reading at verse 1. I love how. The Bible doesn't give us people's, just give us people's good experiences. I love how we get to see that there are real people who went through real things, who have real emotions and real pain. And here we're about to read about a man who was was dealing uh, with some moments of hardship, of of depression and anxiety and, 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 and fear and worry. That totally changed his life because right before 1st King chapter 19, 1 Kings chapter 18 is a story about the, about the showdown of the Mount Carmel. What happened was is that there was a, there was a showdown with the prophets of Baal and the agreement was whoever God rained on fire was a real God. He lets the prophets of Baal go first and they prayed and they cut themselves and with sharp stones and they and did all sorts of rituals but nothing happened. Elijah had so much confidence when everything was going right in his life, my sisters. Everything was going right. He had so much confidence that God was real, that God was present with him. And, 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 he, and, he, and he called down fire, prayed to God, and fire consumed the altar, consumed the sacrifice. So right after that high emotional place with God, now we get to 1 Kings chapter 19. And it says, now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done. And how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me ever so severely. If by this time tomorrow, I do not make your life like one of them. That's a threat, y'all. So Elijah heard this news like, oh, snap. I'm fitna to die. Right? I'm glad y'all know proper English. Oh, family. Y- y'all, y'all, y'all can translate fitna. Oh, a winder, you know what I mean? Anyways, and so and, uh, I'm, fitting, I'm fitting to die. Verse 3, so Elijah was afraid and ran for his life, and he came to Beersheba and Judah. He left his servant there, and while he himself was a day's journey, into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lied down under the rock and bush and fell asleep. All at once, angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lied down again. Verse 7, the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up, ate and drank, strengthened by the food. He traveled 40, nights, and 40 days and 40 nights until he reached the mountain of God. I want you to see how God involved himself In Elijah's despair. I want you to see how the father had compassion with Elijah in a moment of crisis. Notice how God did not greet Elijah with a rebuke. He didn't greet him with with a chastisement. He didn't even, in this particular moment, I'm not saying there's not times I have hard conversation. I'm not saying there's not times to bring correction. The Bible says correct, rebuke, and encourage. Rec- create faith and careful instructions. But notice that this was a moment where God did not say, boy, wear my belt. He didn't say, go get that switch. I just brought some trauma back into some of y'all's life when I said that, didn't I? I'm sorry, you can meet me here at the altar. And so go get that switch. He didn't say, donde esta me, chancleta, right? He didn't say, he didn't... He, He didn't go for for the sandal. What did he do? He had compassion on him. And I want you to see how God ministered to him. And I believe those who have been dealing with mental health and mental struggles and mental battles, that this is something you need to keep in mind. I write about the spirituality because it's real, family. But we also believe the importance of self-care and self-love. Number one, what happened in this moment, Elijah went from a high emotional state to a drastic low emotional state when he heard the news about Jezebel. But then he began to speak his truth. He prayed that he might die. He said, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I believe this is an honest look of depression. This is an honest look of, emotion, of your emotional tank bottoming out. Some of you know what it's like to seem like you, you, one moment you're on the top of the world and all it takes is a sudden shift and it feels like you're in a dark place, in a broken place that you have a hard time pulling yourself out of. But one thing you need to see that happened, what Elijah did, is that he self-isolated himself. He removed himself from all his community. He removed himself from his love, from, from his servant. He, he removed himself from the people around him. And he was by himself with his own thoughts. That he might, he said he might die. I'm no longer better than my ancestors. Take my life. Again, but what did the father do? What did God do in this hour? He didn't take the moment. He read the room compassion over his son over his children over over elijah what did he do he was teaching he was trying to take care of him bring him out of that place but what did the bible do he 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 he, he gave him some food the bible says he he went to sleep he rested and and step one he he ate and he drank there was some hot bread over coals texas dinner roll, texas roadhouse rolls you know what i'm saying uh a uh, 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 red lobster cheddar bay whoa biscuits come on right by his head and some water he, he he fed him he gave he gave him some carbs that released glycogen and gave him some water that helped with dehydration he gave him something to eat and he gave him something to drink and he went back to sleep he did this twice and not only did he do that he acknowledged his pain he said this journey has been too much for you he kept him company where he wasn't alone And it wasn't until he was strengthened by the food that he was in his right mind, in his right emotional state, where he was led into the mountain of God, where he heard the still, quiet voice of God that gave him clarity about the next step of his life. But what I want you to see, family, is is, is how God fathered and and ministered to Elijah's need in a state of compassion, not just a moment of rebuke. I don't know what is going on in Christianity today, where we're so desiring to cut, but not desiring to heal. We have to get to the place in our life family where we are willing to walk in places and actions of compassion, actions of love, actions of grace. You know what? The Bible does not say blessed are the peacekeepers. The Bible says blessed are the peacemakers. There's a difference between a peacemaker and a peacekeeper. A peacekeeper is someone who is willingly, intentionally uh, 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 is not speaking up about the matters that there's going on in their life or matters that they're feeling or matters in their family because they don't want to rock the boat. They don't want they don't want to hurt someone around them. So they're choosing not to say anything where they allow things happening in their marriage, things happening in their home. And they be, thus become being the doormat of people around them. But a peacemaker understands dif- this difference in order to make peace, conflict or tension is required right and so and so some that that attention that conflict doesn't necessarily, it's not a necessarily a violent thing or or an aggressive thing, but it's an action of love I'm so thankful that our heavenly father his he's i'm so thankful that jesus is, was a peacemaker in our life I'm so thankful he didn't just see us in our sin and didn't do anything about it, but he hung on the cross and he made and he, by that sacrifice made peace with with our parents. i'm so thankful that he that he died for us, but I just believe that we if we're not careful as believers. We can create a faith that has the image of God but lacks all the power thereof and we're seeing that right now in our world because a Christian without a mission a Christian without love a Christian without compassion a Christian without mercy a Christian without grace I will dare to say is not a Christian at all. We are manufacturing our own ideology of who Jesus is. And we need to look in the mirror, better yet, look in the Bible. The Jesus of the Bible, not the one we're misinstruting, but the real Jesus of the Bible, the Jesus of compassion and love and grace, that's not waiting for someone to be right before we have grace, but we're willing to be the hands and feet to extend. So I'm tired of attending funerals. I'm tired of attending funerals hearing people say I didn't know it was that bad. I'm tired of preaching funerals people who committed suicide or tired of going to places and hospital visits as they, tried, as, they as they OD'd or I just got a phone call a, a couple of days ago about a young woman. Who almost lost her life. Hearing the same parents tell me I didn't know it was that bad. Here's a question today. Do, is it true that we didn't know it was that bad or we did not take the time to know? I know I'm not. I'm hopefully, I'm. I'm not yelling at you. I'm just talking to you. I'm trying to sound an alarm in this place because we got to get back to the fundamentals of our faith. We got to get back to Christians of compassion, Christians of love, Christians of grace, Christians of healing. So, I'm a daddy, and there's something I told myself that I will never tell my son. I will never tell him to stop crying before I give you something to cry about. What happens is that, and I know it may seem innocent, uh, maybe even told to you, but what's happening in our our little lives, a little baby toddler's life, we're saying that your tears are not worth my attention. What you're crying about is not worth it. Get over it. So what happens? We jerk them out of their pain and their emotional state instead of stepping down into where they are and being present with them in their time of pain to bring them up to a place of healing and understanding. I'm so thankful that is who our God is, that he, that he deems that what we are hurting, that he wants to get involved and mend and heal. I'm so thankful he doesn't look at us and say, suck it up. He doesn't look at us and say, get over it. But he looks at us and says, no, 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 I, that he, I am near to the brokenhearted. Family, I believe that the model of Jesus, how we should model our life after, but I believe it needs to be a lives of compassion, a lives of grace, a lives of action. I believe we need to be Christians. You're here today. man. You're here today, and listen, I believe that the world, the church, is never intended to be a a, a restaurant. You didn't come to this church today just to eat. If you did, family, I got news for you. You didn't come. The church is not intended to be a restaurant. It's not a time. It's not a, a restaurant. It's a school of culinary arts. You didn't come to the church on Sunday and doing worship. Snap, snap your finger. Never snap your finger at your waiter, by the way. But snap your finger at the waiter. Called Jesus, saying, "Hey, fill my cup." No, 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 no. You're the school of culinary arts. You are in this house to God today to learn how to cook. And every good cook tastes their food. Every good cook tastes their food. You're here and you're eating grace. But guess what? You need to go home and serve it. You're in this church today and you're eating compassion. You need to go home in this church and serve it. You know that, you're, that his righteousness are renewed morning by morning. I hope that you can go home and extend some grace and compassion people are as well. Family, we have got to get past this consumerism faith and realize that we are the ones who are called to put our apron on and chop it up for those who are hurting and lost. We need to get back to the foundations of our faith. You can't yell from the thresholds of our sanctuaries to look into the community and say, come and eat. No, your meals and wills, bring the food to them. Bring Jesus to them. But it has to be more than just rebukes. It has to be more than just yelling. It has to be more than just articles you share on social media. It has to be actions of love. Because if not, we are only resounding gongs and clanging cymbals. So let me ask, can you ask yourself the question today? Are you being like Jesus? Does your life model the life of Jesus? Because the, there's a whole society out there believing that God doesn't want anything to do with them because representatives are acting like he doesn't. We can no longer afford to misconstrue his character. We can no longer afford to come here on social media and share about a service and post a verse about how he loves and they drive by the restaurant of our our Jesus and and leave disappointed and malnourished because we are not producing the love he say he is. What would happen if they will know that the Jesus we serve Loves them. Wants an encounter with them. But here's the thing. How will they know unless you tell them? Scripture tells us. I I believe they need to know that they're worth fighting for. You need to know that you're worth fighting for. Say this with me. Say, I am worth fighting for. So maybe family, I talked about a couple of things. I talked about being the person who needs compassion and individual to extend compassion. And maybe you're the individual, you yourself, you are broken, you are hurting, you are lost. You're dealing with some mess in your life. And you are the ones who need someone to recognize the issues of your life and be willing to come alongside you and walk with you through your pain. You're worth fighting for the person beside you. They're worth fighting for. Can you look at them in their eyes right where you are? If you're with your friend or your loved one, you're with your family, can you just face them right now? Just look at them in their beautiful brown chocolate eyes or, or blue eyes or green eyes or no eyes, whatever. Can you look at them right now? In all sincerity, can you tell them you're worth fighting for? What would happen if you will leave this sanctuary and, and you will look for moments to love each other and to fight for each other, to value each other and to be there. So you will no longer have to assume that they're good, but you know that they're good because we're being intentional with our compassion. I'm tired of hearing people say that I didn't know it was that bad. I'll share a quick story with you and then while I wrap up. I was in school and I was seeking the face of God and I was saying things like, God, I want you to use me, God, I want you to send me to the nations, God, I want you to, I want you to use me to change the world, God, I want to travel all the world and preach and, and things of nature. And I was, um, I was, I was uh, in, tennis playing basketball and I was playing basketball for a long time and I stepped out the gym and I saw this guy I never seen before. And the moment I saw him, my mind took a mental picture of him, like a Kodak picture. And, uh, and I heard the Lord so clearly say, tell that person about me. Not about me, obviously, but about Jesus. But you know what I did? I ignored the Holy Ghost. Clearly, intentionally ignored him. And these are my reasons. I was too tired. I was too hungry. And I wanted to go home. Vividly remember, too hungry, too tired I wanted to go home. You know what is even bad? I didn't feel bad about it. At the same time, I'm in Bible school, train, be, being, to learning hands-on ministry to be a minister, having these double standards, missing opportunities that God is presenting and so, so weeks later we go on a retreat to the beach getting closer to God saying the same prayers God send me to nations God use me God change me help me to change the world help me be uh, uh, the hands of compassion and things of that nature and so the end of the weekend we go back to our home to, to the town where the church was and uh, we take the exit and, over, uh, and to back into the city and we see all these, bi- all these ambulances all across the bridge and, and come to find out that there was a young man who hung himself on some railroad tracks on a bridge. And I remember being so mad and I vividly said and verbatim said, devil, you will not take another person from the generation. I asked God, and said, God, if you would have given me a chance, I would have told that person about you. That's exactly what I said. And so small town, we come to find out that the young man who killed himself, uh, who died by suicide, was an individual who was a, a nephew of someone who attended our church and they invited us to the funeral. So I went to the funeral, talking to people in the parking lot, and I decided to go into that funeral home to give my condolences, to shake their hand, say, I'm sorry for your loss, to hug their neck and try to encourage them in the moment of despair. And I go to the casket to see who this person was, who deemed that his life was, was too hard to live. My heart sunk. Because he is the exact same person I saw at the YMCA. The exact same person I saw at the YMCA. That the Lord told me to tell him about Jesus. But I ignored because I was too hungry, too tired, and wanted to go home. I dealt years of guilt because of that. How do I not know that that was not that boy's cry for help, but I ignored it because I was too hungry, too tired, and wanted to go home. How do I not know? How do you not know? The moments that you are missing, the opportunities of compassion and grace and healing to pull someone out of their pain because we're too hungry, too tired, too selfish, too busy, too worried, and we want to go on. What would happen in our faith today if we will resurrect compassion once again? What would happen, church, if we will be Christians of actions not just thoughts and theory can you stand with your feet stand to your feet with me please if you're here today and you're hurting or you're dealing with some things this is a safe place for you the pastors they try their best to create an atmosphere that's that that they, anybody and everybody will know this is a safe place for you to feel, safe place for you to cry, safe place for you to heal. This is a safe place. If you're dealing with some problems in private, can I encourage you to speak up and speak up, speak out about it? If you've been dealing with depression and mental issues and, and thoughts of suicide and anxiety, family, can I encourage you to speak up? But maybe you're here and you're not dealing with these things, but you know someone who is you, you have a responsibility. To speak out, to speak to them. So you will never have to wonder, and they will never have to believe they're forgotten and by themselves. We can get rid of this notion that we didn't know it was that bad. Let's be Jesus like Jesus. I have two questions I have for you this morning. First question is this: Are you a Christian? I wanna be. Can I encourage you to don't don't answer that so fast because Tradition and religious routine does not equate to a believer. You can know all the hymns, you can sing all the songs, you can go to all the mission trips, you can give God your hands whenever, but neglect in your heart. You can be good with God and how to relationship. you, let your fire burn out, and in religion that's the wake of that. My question is this: are you a Christian? My second question is super important. Can other people tell? Can other people tell? Can your Instagram tell? Can your social media tell can your children tell can your netflix tell this is serious family the bible says that this moment that did not prophesy on your name did not cast out demons in your name and, and they will jesus said i never knew the workers of iniquity he wasn't talking to people unchurched he was talking to ministers he was talking to christians he was talking about people who gave God their hands, but neglected their heart. So I know you are here, and I know you're doing things for Jesus, but does he have your heart? He must be our Lord and Savior, not a Lord or Savior. Is he standing at the, at the throne of your heart? Are you living for him? if not, it's time to come home. Don't gamble this. Don't assume. This is your moment, Multiply Church to get things right. If, you're, if you would ask your children or ride at home, what kind of example of Jesus am I to you? What would they say? The Bible says they don't know them by our theory. The Bible says they will know them by their fruit. Every head bowed and every eye was closed in this place. The Holy Spirit has already been ministering to you, that tugging you, feeling in, the, in, your, in your heart, that knot you feeling in your throat, that beating you feel in your chest, that God's trying to get your attention, your hand, your palms are sweating. God's trying to get your attention right now and it's time to come home. It's time to get things right. It's time to realize that His grace is bigger than your opinions. It's time to be a people of compassion. It's time to come home. So I'm going to counter three. If you're here today and you're saying, man, that's me. I, I, I know that my life is not right with God. I know that I may stray away. I know, uh, I, I know I'm not living for Him in the way I should. My fire has died and all here is nothing but religion. I want you to raise your hand on the counter three. If that's you, I'm going to pray for you right where you are on the counter three. One, don't gamble this. There's already hands going up. Two, Three, come on, let them high, let them high. If that's you, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. Come on, don't gamble, don't gamble, don't gamble, don't gamble, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. This is your moment, this is your moment, this is your moment, this is your moment. Time to come home, it's time to come home, it's time to come home. He wants you just the way you are. He's not, listening. the journey's gonna be messy, and he's okay with the mess, just the way you are. The oops, the accident, the scars the, the scars, the regrets, just the way you are. It's time to come home, raise your hand if that's you. The Bible says, I confess with my lips and believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is Lord Then I will be saved. So I'm going to help you put in the words that's going on inside of your heart before Pastor Doug comes. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I need you. I love you. Wash away my sins. Help me to be the Christian I'm called to be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, give God some praise.